You are listening to Truth Time with Pastor Monty. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills I've acquired over a very long career. You want answers? You can't handle the truth! The problem is having the right worldview. And acting upon it. Welcome to Truth Time with Pastor Monty, a show where two pastors from different generations talk about truth in today's culture. At the top of the show today, let's go ahead and spread this content by liking and sharing it and making sure that you're subscribed to our show. And for all of you on YouTube, hit the bell so you can be informed of all upcoming shows. The Truth Time with Pastor Monty broadcast is a part of the Lathia Bible Fellowship's online podcast network of shows called the VRM. If you're interested in this ministry or our other shows, you can check us out at adfpdx.org, where you can access more resources, donate, and learn more about ADF and our local church in Portland, Oregon. And now that all of that is said, I'm Pastor Josh, the senior pastor over at ADF, and your co-host for this show, and this is Pastor Monty. Welcome to Truth Time. I am Pastor Monty, and this is uh, my co-host, Pastor Josh. And we are going to be um, talking about uh, Second Thessalonians. We're uh, starting into chapter two, and then also continue our discussion in regard to relationships. Producer Jasmine, is our like we're doing okay in our uh, headphones, but how's the how are the carts doing? Because that sounded real quiet on our end. Seems fine for you. Okay, all right then. Cool. So let's uh, go ahead and begin uh, looking at 2 Thessalonians in uh, The Christ Factor. Um, some good news on the uh, some good news on the large print front. Oh yeah. You know this the this outfit uh e- emailed me again. We need to have like music for the uh, complaining segment of the <laughs> on the large print. Yeah, go ahead. They emailed me again and said it was going to be delayed another week or two. Okay. I said like, "Really?" So I took your advice. Mm-hmm. I canceled them. Yeah. Little cancel culture. I just canceled them. So I'm not doing that <laughs> I'm anymore. I'm not sure that's what that means. <laughs> And uh, went through a different vendor. Uh huh. Cheaper pa. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. Okay. Should be here in another week or two. Okay. All righty. There we go. In the meantime, thank you, uh, producer Jasmine, for giving me some light here. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two. Now, brethren, concerning the uh, coming of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ and our gathering together uh, to Him, we ask you. Not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled uh, by the spirit uh, or the word or the letter uh, as it is from us, as though the day of uh, Christ had come. Let no one uh, deceive you by means for that the, for that day will not uh, come unless... The following way comes first. 
and the man of sin is revealed, and the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that is that he is God. What translation is that again? And I think this is a new king. I got a different translation, by the way. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> <Just> making sure. <laughs> this, so let's. There's a little bit to chew on there. Let's go ahead and uh, and uh, take a look at this as as we uh, exegete this passage. So evidently, the church at Thessalonica was having issues. They were having issues that there had been a people that uh, had had. Uh, we're making the claim that Christ had already come. Right. Remember that that um, that when the Lord rose in the air uh, in front of the uh, disciples, the uh, the uh, the apostles and the others that were gathered there at uh, you know uh, in the in the upper room, they um, he told them that he would return and that he would uh, leave. Uh, he would come in the same way that he left. Right. And and they would they would know on the that, clouds yeah, on the clouds and and uh, and that that were the case. Not as a sonic boom, which by the way, have you seen Risen? I have not seen Risen. Twenty sixteen Risen. Yeah, with, no, I, no, I didn't want. I'm uh, just spoilers, guys. The resurrection takes, or not the resurrection, but the ascension takes place, and <laughs> the ascension. And the sonic Jesus boom. Jesus walks yeah. off toward the sunset and he sort of like blurs and you're like oh, that's not how jesus goes away they kind of like make him disappear into the sun right and right, then right. all of a sudden there's a sonic boom and then he just like whoosh like superman <laughs> up into the air and i'm just like what what okay yeah. that's anyway uh, that there's what we call artistic liberty i mean i wouldn't be surprised yeah. if jesus you know was able to like sort of neo his way out of the but anyway that's gone well you know he had to uh he had to escape the atmosphere yeah, <laughs> like a Saturn, like a Saturn Five. Yeah, yeah that's right, <laughs> right. Him and Elon uh, Musk. Okay, so um, so the the church was having difficulty because there were people that are that were making the claim right that uh, Christ had already returned, and so the Apostle Paul is addressing this uh, claim because there were those inside of the church there at Thessalonica that were a little bit disturbed about this. And throughout the ages, if you look at the history of, of Christianity, through, throughout the ages, there have been groups which have made this claim that Christ has already come. Yep. And, uh, or that, Re, that, returned. Or, return, yeah, yeah he, he's already returned. Uh, and there's a bunch of theological stuff goes on about, you know, when he's going to return, and did he really return, and are we in the millennium, and all yeah. kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was watching a, a program the other... Oh, we just lost, we, we just lost sound of some sound. sort. Do we know if we still have sound on... Oh, there we go. Okay. Uh, you guys had sound the whole time? We apologize uh, for some technical issues. All right. So anyway. I was watching a program the other day, and they were... Um, there's this really cool program that is on the Science Channel, and it it's uh, it talks about uh, stuff that that uh, can't be explained, mm-hmm. and they look at scientific stuff around it and try to look at it. And, and, and they were talking about this one instance where this guy was was apparently somehow 
Uh, well, they don't know if it was a guy, but it, it appeared to be maybe a, a human form that was floating down out of the clouds. Hmm. And and uh, people were... Um, thinking it was the return of yeah, Christ. Yeah, people were thinking it was the return of Christ. There were some people that were, of course... Um, so there's lots of stuff. There's a, there's a whole movement that uh, took place under, uh, under uh, Miller... Uh, back in the uh, late 1800s, mm-hmm. where he told his his church that God had given him uh, uh, an idea or a knowledge of when uh, Christ was to return, and all of his church members were to uh, then go ahead and sell everything, and they all gathered on a mountain and stood there and waited for Christ to come, which he didn't. But the modern day... Shocker. But the modern-day movement, which came out of the following of, as they came to be known, the Millerites, is the Seventh-day Adventist movement. Yeah. So there have been lots of things throughout history where this assertion has been made, but the Apostle Paul says, uh, hold on. Well, yeah, even today, I mean, yeah, the SDA, Seventh-day Adventists, well, actually, they kind of are like, recently they've sort of shifted back toward more doctrinally correct things. Well, There's yeah. There's been like a push yeah. toward that. Originally, the Seventh-day Adventist movement, once the Miller, to his credit, Miller, to his credit, said, you know, I he repented and said, you know. Guess I was wrong, guys. I, I was wrong. That's awkward. <laughs> um, but the leadership, there were leadership within his church, uh, a dominant woman, Ellen White. Yep basically took over the movement and turned it into the seventh this is too much power to let go of let's 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 keep going yeah so there's a but they have you are you are correct they when i classify the seventh day adventist movement i don't necessarily classify them as a cult because they're right on the edge sect they're a sectarian sectarian yes uh right now there's a pretty big growing movement called the world mission society church of god And they are, um, they had a leader named Ansong Hong, if I'm pronouncing that right. And he claimed to be Christ. He died, but his wife, um, let's see, Zhang, Zhang Gilja, something like that. Okay. Uh, now claims to be the mother God, because if you have a father, you must have have a mother. mother. So, and that's like, that's a current thing. They're like really, really active. Probably if this show is large enough for them to hear that we're talking about them, they might sue us. <laughs> um, so all of this stuff I'm saying allegedly and by my own opinion. Yeah, and, and making it, no factual claims. Well, and there's a there's <laughs> a there's a, there's, a, there's a church movement that, that came out uh, uh, out of the Philippines, mm-hmm. um, where which was founded by Felix Manalo. Is that Iglesia and, and uh, Iglesia de Cristo? Okay, and they're very popular in the Philippines, but they also have churches here in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And the same type of thing. He claimed to be the Asian Messiah. There is a, a really good. Maybe maybe you can find it. Uh, producer Jasmine, um, there's a really good debate on with uh, one of the lead uh, disciples or whatever with Dr. White. Oh, uh, yeah. Between yeah. about Iglesia and Cristo. You can actually find that. We have a resource, by the way, for for you guys. There's a YouTube channel we have. It's called R&D. 
Um, it should be, if you check out our YouTube page and maybe we can post it right now to our Facebook account in the comment section, you can subscribe to that and we're constantly adding, uh, videos to playlists and you can find, uh, you can find that video and more like where people are doing debates or talking about various cults and so on and so forth. So R and D research and development, because we want you guys to research and develop your, your, your faith. So, Absolutely. So the point is, this is, is not new the, and it hasn't, it hasn't ended. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> correct. This is not new and we're going to see more and more of this. Uh, the apostle Paul puts the brakes on it. And oh, there we go again. And he says, uh, Nope. All right. So he, uh, he says, Nope. Um, that's not so. And, and what he says is this. He says that uh, even though you've heard these things, you know, don't be deceived. Uh, by, do, by any means, do not be deceived uh, as to the coming of the Lord. Uh, because, first of all, there are some things that have to happen. Number one, there, there's going to be a, a great falling away. Uh, a great falling away in that um, basically there's going to be uh, an, a time of apostasy was in the church. And he's going to develop this theme later in Second Thessalonians, but the idea is, is that there, there's going to be a, a large amount of people who claim themselves to be Christians who are so watered down in their theology that what they've come to accept is not representative of Christ. This is one of the reasons why you've heard me say before, you've heard me preach before, uh, my personal position is I don't claim to be a Christian. I claim to be a disciple of Christ. And you say, well, you know, Pastor Monte, I mean, that's, isn't that, uh, isn't that uh, sparsing words? And uh, no, I don't believe so. I believe it's important to make a distinction that um, I don't fall into the generic brand of what has come to be understood as Christian because everybody and their brother uh, claims to be a Christian. Yeah, I don't know if I share your your sentiment. I mean, I get your oh, sentiment. I, d I didn't think you would. I <laughs> I get your sentiment, but I, I just don't think that we should give... The, the term Christian is in Scripture, I don't think we should just give that away because, you know, it's it's so corrupt that we can't use it anymore. I think well, and that's why I'm a Baptist, because it's in Scripture. I, th I think that we should take it back and <laughs> redefine it for what it is. But it does make it difficult. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, rather than deal with that difficulty, I prefer to just uh, identify myself as, uh, you know, as a disciple of Christ. That's very, very distinctive. It is, yeah. although I think that you're ceding that ground to you know to the to to the bad guys okay well so yeah that's fine so um so he says first of all there has to be a falling away and and uh, and this falling away what so what i was my point was is that the the world of christianity uh, particularly within the last i don't know 50 to 100 years the doctrines which make up the principal uh, understanding of who Christ is and what we'll accept or reject uh, have been significantly altered or watered down. Oh, yeah. And, and there are people who are out there who are, I, you know, I would, say that they're, uh, I would say that they're sincere in their desire, perhaps, but they're overwhelmed by certain aspects of it. For example, would you take an example, because I don't want to dwell here, but for example, Oprah Winfrey. 
Oprah Winfrey has, you know, her own church. She's got the... Does she? It's not, yeah, it's not the Church of Woke. It's the Church of... Uh, oh? It's, yeah, it's the Church of O. It's the Church of Oprah. And she has her own uh, deacons and elders. Wait, really? Yeah, yeah. And she has a teaching. Like she uh, preaches on Sunday? No, she doesn't preach, but she's behind the scenes pulling strings. And hmm. she and when when she has given interviews about about you got to uh, hand it to the lady she's oh yeah she's got her, her she's definitely got a plan foot in a lot of stuff um, and when she's been interviewed about her belief in Christianity um, she believes in in Christ she says uh, but she doesn't like the cross well she believes in Christ consciousness yeah yeah she doesn't like the cross. Yeah, she. Yeah, well, the cross is foolishness to to those you that's, know that's, to the world. That's what the apostle Paul said. Um, Evidently, she hasn't read Corinthians. Yeah, or the Bible. Um, she and a lot of others. There's this. It's not new. Again, like we're we're looking we're looking at scripture, and what we're finding is these things are predicted, right? And they have there have been these movements all throughout church history, but she right now is. Um, uh, with a lot of others, like a, a guy named Richard Rohr, for instance, who is this uh, like Franciscan um, friar. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the term is, but um, uh, thinker. And uh, they they're they're bringing the new age into Christianity, right? And yeah. um, right now they're like really obsessed with this concept of Christ consciousness, and that's kind of what's coming out. And we actually see a lot of like atheists moving away. From or well, a lot of popular, uh, pop culture philosophers moving away from atheism and like the new horsemen of the atheism of atheism, the four horsemen like uh, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens and you know the other two. Um, people are moving away from that and moving more towards this sort of panentheism where God is everything and everything is God and. Um, and Christ consciousness is is kind of the the big thing that Christ wasn't that that you are Christ and I am Christ and you know Jesus was Jesus of Nazareth who sort of ascended past his mental blocks um, he 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 broke the matrix right you need to get in touch with the Christ within you yes um, so that you can yeah. experience your full divinity and that's yeah. Yeah. so that's that's a Christ that's, consciousness that's definitely right out in the new age yes and there's an analogous verse I was looking it up um, there's an analogous verse to what's being talked about in Thessalonians specifically Matthew 24 um, he says in those days if those days had not been cut short, nobody would be saved. Speaking of the same uh, events, right? Right, right. Of uh, the events to come, the end of days. Um, nobody would be saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders that they would even deceive the elect if that were possible. Um, and so that, that's like analogous to what's happening in Second Thessalonians, where he says, don't be so easily shaken or alarmed by those who say that the day of the Lord has already begun. If they claim to have a spiritual vision, a revelation, a letter, don't be fooled, um, because there will be a great rebellion against God. And this, I assume, is the next point that you are going toward. Yeah, it, the man of it, yes, there will there will be a great rebellion, and that great rebellion will be part of that rebellious process. Is that there will be uh, an individual that will come on scene, yeah, and the man of perdition, 
Yeah, the and, man of lawlessness. Right, and and he will have a, an error of uh, he will have an air of legitimacy about him, and then he will uh, his full colors will show. Well, it's interesting, like, when we talk about Christ consciousness in particular, and you look at... So, so the term, this man of lawlessness, the, the son of perdition, is generally conflated with the term antichrist. Um, so when you see the term antichrist in Revelation, that term isn't actually used in Revelation. Everybody thinks that it's, you know, from Revelation. Right. But that term is actually used in John's other works, his, uh, his epistles, not his gospel. And in that, you see the spirit of Antichrist, which doesn't, um, which doesn't accurately portray Christ, but instead tries to remove his manhood from him. And John's very clear that the, that the spirit, how you know that somebody has the right spirit is whether they, they um, keep the manhood of Christ. And they say that he died and he... Um, he died an actual physical death that he was like manifested. Right. Fully man, fully God. Right. And so what you have here, because yeah, everybody had no problems, believe it or not. The early Christians didn't have a problem with saying that he was God. They had a problem with people saying that he was man. Right. And that was like one of the early controversies. So, um, so John was fighting this sort of Gnostic idea that the, that, the, that the Gnostics had come and they were starting to take Christianity, take the verbiage of it, take the ideas of it, and, you know, modify it. And he was saying, no, look, like, Christ is a man, that he's an actual character. And so it's really interesting, an actual physical person. And so it's really interesting when you look at Thessalonians and you look at the writings of Paul and he's talking about a man of lawlessness coming and you look at the the teachings of Jesus himself and he's saying that many will come saying that they are Christ. Uh, there's this correlation here. There's a man who's going to rise up and he is going to basically call himself Christ. More, more importantly... He's going to. There are there are some physical actions which take place that will indicate which will indicate yeah. that that's the case. And one of the reasons why we we as a uh, on on this podcast and certainly within the the uh, body here at Aletheia with with which we represent, um, although they put a disclaimer nonetheless. Um, the the well, they don't express the specific views. Yeah, the 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 issue is is that there are specific physical things that take place, and and it states quite clearly here that he will seat himself in the temple of God. Yeah, and we do not see that temple in existence today. However, there have been preparations going on for some time. To make that a reality. Well, what's interesting about that is, again, so there's the correlation to the Olivet Discourse, right? Where right. Jesus talks about that that happening to the abomination of desolation, um, which, uh, what, uh, who is it? Uh, Antiochus Epiphanes had done that before Christ, I think. Right. And so there was, there was this picture, the Jews like had an understanding of this when this is being discussed. And this this was to come, and it was it was going to be worse. So you have this correlation again to this like heinous act that's going to take place in the temple. And I think what's interesting about it is that you have the physical side, 
where Pastor Monty's right. There is no temple for this to take place in currently. But you also have the you also have the sort of metaphysical side to it too, where Christ calls the church the temple, um, and says that like our bodies are the temple by which you know the spirit resides in. And there is something really interesting about this idea of Christ consciousness and the idea of man taking himself and putting him within the center of the temple. Uh, and I think that there could be a, um, what is it? Mark Twain said that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And I think that there could be this sort of rhyme scheme happening, the transitory flow for those who know me, um, where you see, that the temple here isn't just the physical temple, but it's also the believer who calls himself. He sets up for himself an abomination of desolation where he now calls himself and his, his ontological nature, Christ consciousness and, and ousts Christ from within his heart. Right. It, within, within the context of the, and that's not, that may sound kind of, be kind of out there and yet keep in mind that within the context of the new age movement the the principal writings uh, of the new age movement uh, lean towards the glorification of the number 666 which scripture talks about and uh, numerically uh, six, Gem- yeah gematria 666 is representative of the glorification of man right Okay, so so there is the possibility that that, that plays into what's going on, um, but I would uh, let's end this. Uh, this is a deep segment, and and let's end in this portion of this segment. We'll pick it up next week. But, sure. but the the thing to keep in mind here is these are these are not uh, hypothetical theoretical issues. We see things happening, and my wife and I were were uh, we're, we keep tabs on a lot of different things. And and do you know that that right now, um, China and Russia yep. are are uh, working sort together, of figuring out a joint force. They're working together, yes, to to have greater influence within the Middle East. Yeah. And and uh, you go back into the Old Testament and the prophecies, and that there is some discussion there about that's going to happen. Well, yeah, people um, have thought that both China and Russia at different points in times could be Gog and Magog in yes, the prophecies. Yeah. Who would have thought that it could be both together? Yeah, yeah. So there there are some significant things happening, and we as believers need to be aware. But more importantly, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, don't get excited. Uh, be consistent in what the Word of God teaches. Trust in, in, the, uh, in the central doctrines of, uh, of Christianity, which uh, he reinforces. And uh, believe me, when, when the Lord returns, you'll know it. Yeah, the other thing... I because think- you'll be gone. You'll be, you'll be raptured. It depends on your view. We'll of, talk about that. Yeah, it depends on your view. The other thing I would just point out when Pastor Monty is saying this is not hypothetical, I think that if you were honest with the world around you, it would not be hard for you to come to the conclusion that people already have this mentality even within the church. 
yes, yes. And, and let me just, you're, you're absolutely correct. And that's one of the reasons why there will be an apostasy within the right. church, because there will be those that will drift away from what Scripture actually teaches about who Jesus Christ is and will have this kind of God consciousness type of thing. It's not hard to picture somebody going into the Jewish temple and saying, look, this is archaic. This is archaic. Like, this isn't God. Like, this is this is this is the religion of savages and it's right, superstition. We're ta- right. We're talking about blood sacrifice. Yeah, and- we're talking about all of these things. This is this is gross. It's un it's inhumane. And if anything is God like, I'm God, you're God, we're God. Like, that is not hard to picture in today's rhetoric. But understand that that is literally what the scripture is saying is going to happen. Yes. Is that somebody's going to do that? From the scripture standpoint, it like it's this horrific, like heinous crime, which it is. It's a heinous crime against God. But we are so predisposed to that rhetoric that imagining somebody doing that, it's not that hard to imagine, honestly. Yeah, no, and that's the reason why we're going over this because it is important to for believers to be well grounded. And what the Word of God says about our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're going to end this segment here and talk a little bit about relationships in our next segment. Now, in this segment, this is a this is a interesting, fun segment to a degree because what we've been talking about is relationships, but we are now talking about our, and continuing our discussion in regard to uh, the uh, the child parent relationship, and and what that uh, what that looks like. And last week we talked quite a bit about about the importance of understanding that that the primary responsibility. Uh, at the front of the relationship, it, it continues onward, but at the front of the relationship, the primary responsibility for the health of that relationship is, is uh, and I'm going to say this w- within the context of what we're talking about, is, uh, is the responsibility of the parent just as God in his, uh, God in his uh, uh, covenant relationships with, with Israel was to be the initiator yep. of the relationship. The parent takes on that role, and it is the parent who is to be the initiator of a correct relationship. Well, and I would say, and sustainer. Yeah, well, yes, definitely. And, and I think that people, I think we, I don't know if we touched on this, and I know you and I have had private sort of heated discussions about this, but not only the, well, basically that that, that role doesn't end because of, you know, a child grows up. Our discussions are never heated. They are involved. Okay, sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So if, if, you're, if you're an outsider, there are people in, in the body over the years who have, who have uh, been witness to uh, my son and I discussing deep theological things, and they're like, you guys are just mad at each other no no we're just having an involved discussion right and we have a relationship where we can do that so it is the parents responsibility to be the initiator and yes josh i agree with you to be the sustainer of that relationship and it doesn't quit just because the child turns 18 right or or for that matter in the in the case of the the 
the male child going out and being on their own and establishing themselves, uh, it doesn't end there as well. Right. Now, the, the nature of how that relationship exists is partially what we're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, because there is a there. And that's where we left off last week. We left off last week with with uh, the difficulty that many parents have with um, changing the dynamic of the relationship as as it naturally progresses and changes. Your child's going to grow up. Yep. You cannot keep your child a child. Now, when your child is small, you need to be a protector. You need to tell them no. You need to you need to rescue them from circumstances that they are in danger. Right. That's that's your job. So you tell them what to do. You rescue them. You you know you set them on the correct path. But uh, you can't do that with a thirty year old. Well, you can't even do that with an eighteen year old. You can't do it with them and have them develop properly. <laughs> no, no, sure. you can't. Yeah. And, and we know of lots of individuals in society that are quite dysfunctional because they have never um, grown beyond that. Well, there's whole generations now that we're seeing that are dysfunctional specifically for that reason because their parents have, you know, essentially saved them. And that's, again, I think we talked about, uh, we touched on it a little bit last time, but that's where. The snowflake generation comes from. Oh yeah, we talked about. Was it the Mighty Ducks? I talked. Yeah, about? you talked about the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so and, yeah, and, and that's so. It's very important. So again, the it, it is the parents' responsibility to to learn how to guide their children um, in this developmental aspect uh, as they themselves develop. Yeah, and I think that that's the key. Is that that the parent needs to never see themselves as having been fully developed. Um, But then that also means that they need to keep working to develop themselves. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think that a lot of parents just stop. Yeah. Um, Agree with that too. I know that for me, like the advice that I give to people when they first, um, when they're first getting pregnant, right? Like a couple, um, especially to, to fathers, you know, um, cause you know, that's my personal experience, uh, <laughs> is it will, it, it never, never goes back. And I think that, I think that's something that people don't understand. They, they think that what they're going to do, like some of the best people, what they think they're going to do is that they're going to spend this time working on their child and then they get to go back. <laughs> to what it was and they before work, the child yeah to, yeah to and work on themselves or whatever and that's just not true it just isn't it's just it's it's quite frankly dumb um the truth is is that the moment you enter into that covenant relationship with that child your life changes forever and um it will never be the same even when that child grows up or moves out or if you have no contact with them or anything like that's the cliche, right? Is like you have these parents who abandon their children, but like they still, uh, they still like pine over them or feel bad about, mm-hmm. them, you know, whatever. Right. Right. Or the cliche of the father who like leaves the, abandons the child because they thought that being there would be worse for the child, but then the, but then they feel bad for the rest of their life and it actually affected their child in a worse way than if they had just stuck around and been a terrible father. Yeah, too much drama for me. <laughs> the the 
and so that the importance of understanding that in regard to the relationship is is uh, is just huge. I mean, I can't I can't even begin to emphasize uh, how huge that is. Um, and if I were to say anything in regard to this uh, for parents who might be listening, or you, your children are in that growth stage, and you they're uh, and you're in that with them, you need to to seek out and grab the tools and and we can offer reference but you need to seek out and, and grab the tools that that will help you to develop yourself right and and to change as your child is growing and changing um what uh, what the author of this uh, book that uh, my wife and I uh, really love um parenting with love and logic and, parent, yeah. and parenting teenagers with love and dogs. Like, it's it's with, a classic. Yeah. It's uh, so much so that when I was doing um, a secular foster care program, they actually taught from those books, even though it's a secular program. Like yeah. it's it's yeah. it's a pretty well established, um, and what and viable what, method. And what the author talks about is the fact that that um, as your child develops, um, you need to learn to be a master communicator. Yeah. You need to switch up, as it were, your methodology for dealing with your children, and you need to become a master communicator. So that being said, let's move on uh, to keep the discussion flowing. When we go to Scripture and we look at Scripture and we see from Scripture how it is that um, parents fit into this role, there are not, there are not a lot of... Uh, admonitions that are given towards parents there are more admonitions that are given towards children into how they respond to their parents than there are towards uh, parents but but here's let's just one of the admonitions which is here in scripture in, in the old testament in deuteronomy when god was talking to um moses and he was um explaining to moses the importance of uh, of Israel understanding the statutes of God, he says this uh, in uh, chapter six, verse six, and it's repeated again in chapter eleven. But he says uh, in chapter six, verse six, this, and let's just talk about that for a second because I think it's, uh, it's so important. Chapter six, verse six. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign to your hand, and they shall be uh, as frontals between, between your eyes. I'm laughing because I'm thinking of the... The uh, Pharisees taking this yeah. to extreme. Yeah. Um, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Um, God's command to Moses was that the statutes of God uh, were to be taught to the children. And, and then he, what is described here is the various instances of life. You know that that people are involved in. So when they walk, when they talk, when they eat, when they sit. Um, now we would we could carry that. And we'll maybe elaborate on that. We could carry that forward to today. When you watch TV, mm -hmm. when you listen to music, 
when you do you know but basically speaking what it what it is saying is that the the uh, the sharing of the statutes of God is to be a continuous basis for the parent towards the child. Yeah. In, in yeah, 100%. In in oftentimes what happens is is that you have parents that see uh we we have a tendency in our society to compartmentalize. Mm-hmm. So we compartmentalize in that uh, we do church on Sunday. That's I think that's the big one. Yeah, we do church on Sunday, and if you're really religious, you might do church on Wednesday, <laughs> or if you have kids, because you know youth groups. Yeah, youth groups, the youth programs. Um, but we basically compartmentalize in regard to how we teach the statutes of God. Or who God is, or how we respond to uh, to God uh, within that confine, and yet when we look at the Word of God, the Word of God is telling us, "No, you need you need to teach that uh, in an ongoing basis, because life basically presents opportunity." Yeah, Are the you... term I like to use is holistic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and and so you know when you're sitting down. Um, or again, if we are talking, <laughs> if we are talking about uh, today's age, when you're riding in the car, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, I remember there there is there is nothing in my humble opinion there is there is nothing that tests the faith of a believer more than driving <laughs> and the and the idiocy. The, I don't know. Maybe the, not the faith. Maybe the <laughs> discipline. Yeah. Okay. Okay. The the and the idiocy that you see on the road, in so many fashions. I've gotten into many conversations with my wife about my uh, my not anger, but my my critique. My critique becomes rather scathing when I'm when I'm driving, and I point out to her that. Like, because a lot of a lot of pastors will point out what you're saying, and and they'll be like, you know, see, this is evidence that your your faith is lacking. You need to be re- repenting in this particular area <laughs> when you're driving. I 100% disagree. I think that Christ he marches into various areas and he calls people out for their behavior. Yeah, and yeah. he calls it like it is. And I have absolutely no problem being judgmental with that. And I am well, and I feel completely fine being judged in the way that I am judging. There you go. I well, that's what, that's actually what scripture says. I know that's what it As says. As you judge, so you so shall, be, shall judged. be judged. Right. And so I try to be a good and conscientious driver and I am not, uh, and I don't road rage. And that is the difference. Like, I think it's completely fine to call somebody's, you know, driving an idiot or to question their behavior while they're driving. As long as you don't road rage on them, I am completely controlled, and as long as I am controlled, then I think there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so just you don't use you don't use hand signals or no, I don't flip people <laughs> off when I'm driving. <laughs> you don't you don't give them a California howdy, yeah. a California howdy. I don't. I no. I am one of those. Uh, what is it? Uh, Portland polites. Okay. Yeah. My my wife has forbidden me uh, to have a um, a. A uh, speaker hooked up to my microphone. Oh my gosh! Well, on I think, my, I think on my the, CB. I believe the law forbids you from doing that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Hey, you idiot! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> so, but but 
what you what you maybe forget or don't realize is your children are sitting there. They hear that soaking it all in. I they mean, do. you know, we we tried to. My wife and I, as the kids were growing up, we tried to present the United Front and to teach them the statues of God and and what have you. But there are times when my my kids would say, "Dad, Dad." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need you need to you need to calm down this you know yeah so uh so the point is is that you know so we we would try to do that we would incorporate uh discussion when we were uh eating when we were cleaning when we were driving when we were uh you know watching television because mm-hmm. there's there's a lot you know some people take the easy way out i, I Far and few between, probably today. But some people take the easy way out, and they just say they're not going to watch TV at all. Yeah, prohibition is not is not a, a very good way of teaching people. Yeah, I don't think so either. Now, what what we did do, and as you might remember, um, Josh, is that uh, we didn't have. In fact, my my children um, got on my case for a number of reasons when they when they grew older and they left the house. Because uh, we didn't have a TV in our living room for uh, for years and years and years, uh, not because we didn't watch TV, because we did, but we had a specific uh, room uh, for the house where TV was to be watched and where we could lounge around and discuss and what have you. Um, but when guests would come over, there's nothing I hate worse than going to somebody's house and them having the TV blaring while we're trying to have a discussion. I just hate it. Mm-hmm. And and even today, now that we have a TV in the living room, we put a TV in the living room when my wife got cancer because she could watch uh, programs that would... Well, your uh, family room was downstairs also, and it's hard for her to move up and down the stairs. Right, right, right. And when you have cancer and you, you do a lot of laughter, so we would watch programs like... I love Lucy and some of the old mm-hmm. uh, comic standards where they're just... They make you laugh. Um, but... Uh, but we didn't, you know, so we didn't relegate our children to the TV. Um, but when you're watching TV, you need to you need to be in discussion. Well, I think it goes even beyond that in this generation. Honestly, the discussion should be off of the, the television, which actually has its own, ironically, the television actually has its own standards for for things, you know, they, like it'll tell you when programs shouldn't be watched and right, stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, it'll be your TV MAs and your TV 14s and all of that stuff, right? The real issue is YouTube, if I'm being honest. It's like YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, like social media um, outlets is really the issue. And if you and consider... You're, and, and, and that's where your generation is. And so you can speak... Not, not my generation, but um, <laughs> it's well, not it's not my generation. It's the... The generation The after. children of the children of my yeah, generation. Okay, okay. Um, which is crazy because, you know, I'm 40 and, and I could easily have a child who's 20 and having a child. When somebody right? talks to me about um, TikTok, I'm thinking of the grandfather clock in the living room. You know what? I found the other day, strangely, I didn't even know this was a thing and my my one of my one of my people, I'm not going to name her cuz I don't want her to get, to get embarrassed, but one of my people was just shaking their head at me and not knowing this. But so I have a I have a band for those of you who don't know, it's called The Theory of and you can look it up. Apparently it's on TikTok and I didn't know that. And I didn't know what that was. And I literally found on TikTok um, 
a video of a little girl lip syncing to one of our songs really on really? tiktok wow it was weird yeah yeah, yeah um yeah. anyway yeah and yeah uh <laughs> it, was, it was just really strange the but here's the deal it, it in these forms of media you've got these people who are playing characters you know actors or whatever and the the actors are playing characters. So, you know, like Chris Evans plays Captain America, right? Captain America has these standards and and that's who he is um, based upon, you know, a board of creative people who decide how his character is going to evolve over time, right? right, right so right. when Captain America speaks, that's not actually a person. And there's this, there's this idea that Captain America is not real. And I can tell my son, I can tell Joseph for instance, who's a four-year-old, um, soon to be five, that Captain America is not real. And he knows that, right? right? But when you go onto YouTube and you see Chris Evans, the actor who plays Captain America, speak. Right. And he puts something on his YouTube page every day and he talks, then what is happening is that our kids are being told basically – what Captain America thinks. Yeah, he's trying to be an influencer. Well, he is an influencer yeah, okay. by the very nature of being Captain America, right? right? Right, right. And this is confusing for our kids. And so here's what I would say to you. Like, the scripture is very clear that you need to inundate your child's life immersively and holistically with the wisdom of the scripture. We would never let somebody that we don't know and that has a completely different worldview than us come into our house and spend 15 minutes with our child every day. Yeah, and yeah. yet that is literally what is happening with things like YouTube. I mean, let's not even get started with like what's going on with Demi Lovato right now. And I mean, we can get into uh, that can all be gotten into in culture insanity. Right. But uh, right. but the the point I'm making is is that more so than ever, um, we have a job to be fiercely fiercely um combative against outside forces influencing our children um and the best way to do that is to provide them scripture as a lens because what you can't do is you can't lock down uh, a dynamic human being you can't cage them um, into uh, no offense to the Amish, not that they can hear this, but you can't cage them <laughs> into being Amish, you know, or something like that, living an ascetic life where they're not, where they don't know how to operate in the real world, right? What you can do is you can give them a lens by which to look at the world. Yeah, yeah, and 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 so we come back again. Uh, Deuteronomy talks about um, this process whereby. Uh, Israel was instructed that they needed to be continually in this process yeah. of teaching God's statutes. So I the mean, lens. L let's yeah. take that apart for just a second to say that that you cannot teach what you don't know. <laughs> yes, so, although those you don't know apparently teach. But. <laughs> That's not true. Believe me. Um, <laughs> well, believe me, I've met a number of teachers. Okay. Well, anyway, I know it's not helpful. Sorry. Yeah. Um, you so so it behooves you as parents to understand the statutes of God. Yes, and to read the Word. And well, and to, that's you should be growing. Yes, you should be growing. 
And and the point of reading, look, the point of reading the word. There are people who read. Uh, they get on a Bible reading program, and they read the Bible through in an entire year, but they don't. They don't meditate upon God's word. They don't digest it. They just kind of gurgitate. They read. They read it and they read it and they read well, it. Well, they. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. And and what we're called to do is we're called to read God's word, and allow it to saturate into who we are, so that we begin to see our and understand our world from God's perspective. Right. Not from the world's. That's perspective. That's the key. Is God's but narrative. God's yes. narrative from God's perspective. And then we are to take that perspective, and as our children are exposed to and inundated by all of this stuff that is going on. And I, I, I got to tell you that the world today is a whole lot more complicated than when I grew up. Oh, yeah. And, and I was exposed to a lot as a child, but, but I'll tell you what, it, it is just... It's like being in a. Uh, it's like being in a a, a drizzle mm. when it's raining. Y'all can relate. It's, versus it, a downpour. It's da- versus a downpour, and we are in a well, downpour. I mean, they didn't have TV when you were a child. They didn't have movies. They, they didn't have uh, telephones. Oh, oh, okay, back up. Back up. <laughs> we had TV. Okay, we didn't. <laughs> well, in my defense, though. TV was a new invention. Well, we, didn't have, we didn't have color TV, right? Because you were in 1955, so yeah. TV TV was like a new invention in your yeah. Era. They had just they had just started using talkies. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> they had like the little placards, and you could barely read them because the definition was so low. Yeah, yeah. I I remember Buster Keaton. I remember it was a big thing when we got our color TV. Yeah. Did you, you get know, it before 1966? I'm not. I can't remember. Like, did you watch the original Star Trek in like its Technicolor glory with the yellow, red, and blue? So, well, my parents weren't really that big into Star Trek, and so we we watched it on the sly. But but um, but we made it a habit to always watch the Wizard of Oz every year. When yeah. It came on. And we had seen it in black and white for many, many years. And then the first year it came out, uh, we had the color TV and watched it in color. It was like a, a wow moment. Yeah. It was really cool. Did you think that you got it wrong because it starts out in black and white? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that was made in 1939. Yeah. And uh, so, like, color had come to the movie theaters long before then. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, it, yes, it's like being in a drizzle and now we're in a downpour yeah and, and it's like a straight up flood and, and it's just uh, your your kids you need to understand that your kids are being saturated with all of this stuff nonstop. and and particularly if you allow your child to have access to a a, a small computer a phone yeah that is basically a a, a small computer well here's another one um, and we were like, I, I brought up social media and like, I, it's so old school thinking to be like, I'm afraid of my child watching a rated R movie, but here's a cell phone. Um, I think that's absolutely yeah. ridiculous and <laughs> yes. just quite frankly dumb, but here's another one gaming. Yeah. Uh, people do not realize how much access somebody can have to content through games. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's crazy. It's like people will lock down their child's phone and they'll keep their child from watching, you know, anything but Disney, which is also really dumb um, because Disney 
is quite the inundator. Yeah. But yeah. they'll let their child play on, you know, like Roblox or Minecraft or Fortnite or like these things where you have like literal w- real world like realities. You know, people are throwing concerts on the on these platforms. Like people are freely talking and engaging and they're like fighting uh things like pedophiles and all sorts of stuff yeah, in yeah. these gaming platforms that kids are being allowed to use. Yeah. But hey, their parents are smart because they're locking their cell phones. Um I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, and you get the whole range of uh, everything from shoot 'em and kill 'em to uh, to uh, all kinds. Well, that's of, true. Let's not even all, talk about the, all kinds of sexual. That's true. Um, Let's not even talk about the actual content of the games. But even in the innocuous, like benign content, like in Minecraft, there's still the ability to interact with other players is essentially real world, and you allow these kids to build a completely different world and what scripture is saying is what what moses is saying in his parting words is deuteronomy right Right, in his parting words to israel he's saying you need to look at things through the lens of god and it should be noted that the children of israel came out of an oppressive culture that essentially was at the height of civilization yeah the egyptians were i mean they were it yeah they yeah. were the America of, you know, that generation and an area. And so like they, you know, they had technology. We don't even know how they built the things that they built. Like they well, were we so found, We've we found archaeologists have found uh um working uh batteries. Right. And things like that it, it, that you just think about that it blows the mind. Yeah, we don't understand like a lot of our engineering is based upon their engineering. Yeah. Yeah, so so let's end this segment today. Uh, we could go and we will go on uh, with this discussion, but uh, really want to emphasize that that parents, you need to involve yourself in uh, in what your children are doing. And I understand the learning curve, and I I, I do I, I I understand the learning curve that's involved. That's one of the reasons why I'm not. Uh, the senior elder here, because because this church is very active in using uh, technology in order to work and share the gospel of Christ, and I ju- I can't keep up. It's it's just so I, I understand uh, that issue, but you gotta you gotta work at it. You gotta try. You are required to learn and grow as well. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to end this segment right here. We'll pick it up again with this discussion uh, of a couple more places in Scripture where uh, the it's told the parents are given direction as to how they are to act in regard to their children. And then we'll look at the flip of that and how children are to deal with their parents. Cool. Let's uh, end with uh, just uh, one or two quick uh, what's up with that. Now you know I always look and try to find something entertaining um, the, to uh, to share, and I, I really couldn't find <laughs> I really couldn't find that much this week. How, how, That's good. We only have like a minute. I know. I don't know. However, however, in uh, in um, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, there was a dog. Of course, who there was. was driving. Of course, 
and and ran his owner's jeep into the side of a building. How did it? How did that happen? Well, uh, what happened? What, what realistically what happened is that this was probably an older jeep. Uh, because I know when I try to shift gears on my car, uh-huh. you got to have your foot on the brake in order to shift it. Got it. But but evidently not on this guy's car. So he was across the street at the bakery, and he left his car parked in the uh, parked in the parking lot. Mm, okay. And the dog got into the front seat, you know, looking for his owner. Yeah. Got into the front seat, hit the gear shift, put the put it into gear. And the car proceeded to roll across the street with the dog in the driver's seat and smashed into the building. Wow. Is the dog okay? Dog's okay. Nobody was hurt. But uh, the police revoked the dog's uh, license privilege to drive <laughs> any longer. Well, good that they have a sense of humor about yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of crazy. What's up with that, really? So the only other thing I have, like I said, I, I thought you would appreciate this, Josh. There was a... Uh, there was a uh, a woman who was uh, doing rapid succession of photos of her son surfing. Oh, interesting! In Florida, okay. And when she got home to review, she didn't even know this happened. But when she got home to review the photos, she caught a um, she caught a uh, a manta ray jump out that had jumped out this is like an eight foot manta ray that had jumped out while her son was surfing it and was caught in again yeah, it was a photo bombed that's funny yeah and she that i mean that's kind of a unusual picture yeah M- many people don't know that they they can and do surface and jump yes yeah and you know i tried to go swimming with manta rays and uh in hawaii a couple like a month ago or something and i got seasick so, and the manta rays did not show up. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I, but I, you, we had talked about that, so I thought you'd find that interesting. That's all I got for the day. I, I, uh, I hope that uh, y'all have found it interesting, and uh, we will pick up our discussion next week. All right. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and close it out. If you're someone who is seeking answers, you want to know more about your faith, if you're new to Jesus Christ or the Bible, Check us out. Um, you can do that at the help tab at abfpdx.org. So the Truth Time with Pastor Monty podcast is a resource of Aletheia Bible Fellowship of Portland, Oregon, and it is a member of the Vigilance Radio Network, which is a part of our online ministry um, at abfpdx.org. It's a web portal that provides helpful and interesting resources for the church local and at large. Um, if you're one who's enjoyed this service, remember to like, subscribe, and share our podcast. Remember, you can find all of that on ABF's YouTube page, Facebook, all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, take a second to do that um, so that you can stay up to date whenever we share new content each week. Speaking of this week, on Thursday night, we are going to be talking at 9.30 on the VRN. We're going to be talking about, um, like, social media addiction. Uh, so it should be a real interesting uh, thing on the Nightlight Radio program, social media addiction, starting at 9.30. So if you have any questions about that, you want to reach out to us, contact us. Um, if you want us to talk about something specifically, you can email us, counseling at abfpdx.org. And again, that's counseling at abfpdx.org. We're going to be talking about social media addiction. That means like being addicted to games, uh, YouTube, so on and so forth. 
Um, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about pornography. And if you didn't get a chance to check out our show last Thursday on uh, social anxiety, I would suggest you do that. So you can check all those things out. And then on Saturday, we uh, are doing Culture Insanity. Uh, Pastor Monty will be back with Pastor Adam. And we're going to have a guest. Uh, his name's Pastor Mike from Sandy Baptist. And uh, they're going to be talking about pop culture. So um, there's a lot going on this week. Tune in Thursday night at 930 tune in saturday morning at nine and uh as for this show like i said we share new content every tuesday at 11 a.m so i'm pastor josh your uh senior pastor over at abf and this has been pastor monty the views presented in this program are not meant to express the specific views of the lafayette bible fellowship you are listening to the vigilance radio network